Calling all Swifties and champions of change, Like a Girl Media is rolling out the red carpet for you with our Thrive Like a Girl contest. We're all about celebrating powerful women leaders who inspire us to dream big and push boundaries. And who embodies that spirit more than Taylor Swift herself? Here's your chance to see her live in concert. We're giving away two tickets to Taylor Swift's show in London on Saturday, June 22nd. Imagine being part of the magic, all thanks to Like a Girl Media. Entering is easy. Subscribe, share, and show us which episodes inspired you the most. Visit our website or check our social media for all the details. Don't just dream it, be it. Thrive like a girl and make this summer unforgettable. Contest opens globally, voidware prohibited, must be 18 or older to enter, no purchase necessary. Subscribe and share with hashtag thrive like a girl and tag us at like a girl underscore media for entry. Unlimited entries means unlimited chances. Winner chosen at random after contest closes May 20th, 2024. We'll be notified via DM. Make sure your profiles are not private. Check full rules on our site. This is your shot to see Taylor Swift live. Don't miss it. Welcome to the Hit Like a Girl podcast, where with each episode, we hear from different women experts in the health IT industry. We like to hear about what makes them tick, how they overcome challenges, work they're proud of, advice they would give to other women in health IT, and much more. I'm Joy Rios. And I'm Robin Roberts. Today, we are sitting down to chat with Crystal Morley, Executive Director of Marketing with Patient Matters. Crystal is going to talk about the healthcare solutions space patients when it comes to financial burden in healthcare. We all know this is a huge issue as patients are becoming responsible as payers themselves, especially when it comes to procedures and emergency situations. Join us to hear her perspective and why her favorite read is all marketers are liars. Thank you both so much for having me. It's a pleasure to meet with you today. Um, so my background is all healthcare marketing. I've led the marketing departments for multiple healthcare organizations. I've also been on the agency side, helping to launch brand new healthcare IT companies to the market. And then I've also worked with traditional companies that are looking to actually put out a healthcare vertical into the marketplace. So my focus has really been on strategy, focusing on aligning with those organizations that become advocates for patients, and then also working with organizations that really focus heavily on patient outcomes. So tell us a little bit about how you do that and what you see people getting right and what you see people getting wrong. Absolutely. That's a great question. Thank you. So a lot of times what I see in the marketplace, health systems and hospitals employ the people who care so very much about compassionate clinical care for the patients. Where they tend to struggle is trying to find technological issues, answers, solutions that also bring that compassion into the space for the um, patients as well. And one thing that led me to my current company, Patient Matters, that I enjoy so much is that they really focus on empowering the patient with personalized financial plans at the very beginning of the registration process. So when you start to look at patients as they enter the hospital space, all the way through when they exit through their discharge, you're looking at the entire revenue cycle space. And so it starts with pre-access with your registration 
administration. Then it moves into your actual procedure or clinical diagnosis, the reason that you're there. You're either there for hip replacement or you're there for surgery and so forth. Then it moves into charts and getting those charts built correctly, coded correctly onto the payer and then from there it goes to an estimation uh, explanation of benefits that goes out to your um, patient at the very end. What happens oftentimes is there is a misstep between either the registration process, getting your insurance collected correctly on the front end, there's an issue with coding your charts correctly with ICD-10 codes, there's an issue with even getting your patient addressed correctly, so then the, the bill doesn't make it to the patient at the very end, or the bill does make it to the patient, but it's the wrong bill. And so what I really love about um, my positions working, is working with healthcare organizations that make sure that the patients have that compassionate care throughout the entire continuum of care and not just through the clinical process. So with our current company, what attracted me to the organization was that they focus on a personalized patient approach and giving the patient personalized financial opportunities when they actually sit down with the registrar. So it's not this one-size-fits-all, you're going to owe $4,000, but you don't know it until after your hip is replaced and you get this bill in the mail. It's actually you sit down and you talk with the registrars and they look at your propensity to pay, they look at your residual income, and they actually give you a couple different options so that when you go into the surgery, you're empowered and you have those tools at your fingertips. And what we find is we work with hospitals and health systems that care to bring that compassion to the patient prior to the actual clinical care as well. How often, if at all, does it actually change the patient's behavior or choice in the medical care they're going to receive? Oh, that's a great question. So what we find is it improves their patient experience dramatically. No-shows have declined, which actually improves the provider's experience because they're not scrubbing in and waiting for a patient to show up and the patient's not there. We find that the hospitals are more efficient because the bed spaces are being used efficiently. We find that bad debt reductions are incredibly reduced by not having to try to go after patients for bills they can't afford to pay. And so the patient experience is not only a very positive one, but now that we're shifting the landscape in healthcare and moving away from one size fits all, you know, it's patients are now our consumers and patients have more choice than ever when it comes to their health plans, but also the hospitals that they choose. And so what we're seeing now is the patients are actually becoming more loyal to the hospitals that provide personalized patient experience and the personalized patient financial plans, and they want to go back to a hospital that will give them the opportunity to see what the cost is going to be and what kind of payment options are out there. It's It gives them more of an empowering step towards their health care. I would imagine that you know, we have patients really becoming one of the larger payers now with high deductible health plans and how pervasively popular they've become. But our family went through an experience where our son was unexpectedly diagnosed with a rare disease. We ended up in the PICU. 
And I just oh, remember gosh. how anxiety ridden. Yes. He was he was three and a half at the time. I'm so was sorry. Intubated. No, no, no. But the anxiety yes. of the registrar coming to me. We had just yes. had a shift in employment. I was literally in that period where I didn't have the physical card through the mail yet. Yes. And the registrar just kept coming back for the information. And so you have that burden along with having two older children. And even for us, we had two employed well, you know, great, knowledgeable parents that were doing everything you're supposed to be doing. Yes. And I just remember how anxious I felt for her to walk back in the room. I think to myself, what a relief it had been if somebody had come to us and said, look, there's going to be choices. Or even that they reminded me if this became a super long-term stay, what happens in those circumstances? And there is no one to guide you. Exactly. Or give you an option. They are just there hounding you for that. And in the emergency room, I think I kind of get that. I think a lot of patients have lived through that. But I also just think about that intangible value as, as a parent or a caregiver that that would bring. Exactly. You're, you have absolutely nailed it. And it does remove the anxiety. Um, and with our company, we go 30 years back in the advocacy space. So there's actually somebody in the hospital almost hand-holding, walking you through what your options are to remove that anxiety for those patients um, and for the guarantors, you know, who often are the patients, families, um, parents of small children, or even young adults who are helping with an elderly uh, parent. So absolutely, it removes that, um, that unknown, the uncertainty, but at the same time, it empowers the registrars. One of the uh, Little known facts are registrars have a very high turnover and they're very burned out by their position within the hospital space because a lot of times their hands are tied and they're getting into these conversations that they themselves are not comfortable with. It becomes very confrontational. And what we're actually doing is giving them the tools and scripts to walk them through. Here are your options. We have all the patient demographic and information right in front of them and they can say, you know, it looks like or patient A, it looks like you could probably do $25 a month. Does that feel good for you to be able to start that kind of payment plan? And the patient says, absolutely, that feels good. Now I don't have to worry about a $4,000 bill hitting me in the mail, and I have to choose between groceries for my family or paying some of the bill off. Yeah, they say everyone is just one bad medical emergency away from a bankruptcy, and it's, it's you just don't know. You have no idea. So the reduction of stress and anxiety, yeah. the reduction of administrative burden on the registry, to know what to do. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate what you're doing. So if a patient wants to empower themselves, what questions could they be asking at their hospitals to make sure that they're set up at the beginning of their you know, medical journey? That's an excellent question. So oftentimes what we encourage patients to do is to reach out to the registrar previous to their, their surgery or their procedure, if the registrar has not reached out to them, get the insurance information over, let them know, I'm interested in knowing what my estimation is going to be. I'd like to start off with a payment plan with the hospital. Um, I would like to know what my financial options are, and then it puts the registrar in a position of answering those questions for the patient and not just trying to move them through the process um, and to start to see the humanity in each patient and know that each patient's financial situation is different and that each person does deserve to have a customized, personalized plan that works for them and their family.
I love that there is the intangible about that stress and anxiety that we talked about earlier. But you touched on something about the no-shows. So mm-hmm. I think y'all are even, I think you and Patient Matters are playing a role in the clinical outcomes because people will cut their medication in half. They won't go to an appointment. Yep. They may not show up for an imperative procedure. And you all are able to help reduce that burden, make sure things get done, and but that it can happen you know, on terms that are both agreeable for the patient and the facility or the hospital. Absolutely. It's all about patient outcomes, and that extends beyond the clinical care. So, our next question. Mm-hmm. If you could snap your fingers and fix one problem in health IT, what would it be? And wow. this could be a magical, mystical land. I have so many areas. We had somebody uh, yesterday, or we had somebody the other day, excuse me, give us their top few. So if you have like yeah. a top two, we could do that. Or if you have one that you want to expand on, it's, it's your interview. Sure. So if I could snap my fingers and change things for the patients, um, I would say the more transparency, the better. Um, and I'll give you a personal example. I went in for surgery last year, and... I received a bill for $46,000 after my surgery. Of course, there was no um, visibility prior to my surgery, what I would owe. I had no idea how much my insurance would cover. It was an emergency surgery. I saw my physician. Next thing I know, um, he said, meet me at the hospital. You're going into surgery immediately. When I got that bill, um, because of my background in healthcare, and I'm sure the two of you have, you know, been able to experience this as well, just with your backgrounds, um, I reached out to the hospital and I said, let me see what ICD-10 codes you use to code my chart, because I don't think that this is accurate. And next thing I know, they send me the codes and I get a different bill and it's $26,000. I said, great. Now, let me see exactly how you wrote up my chart, the medical um, diagnoses that you included, and then let me see what um, you submitted to my insurance company along with the supporting documentation from my physician. Next thing I know, reduction in bill down to $800. I paid it immediately, and it was over. But I gotta high five you across the table <laughs> for being such a great patient and a great consumer. But, but not everyone can do that. Not everyone can do that. And what happens is they receive that first forty-six thousand dollar bill. They say, "Oh my gosh, what am I gonna do?" Their house gets foreclosed upon. They go into bankruptcy. To your earlier point, they have no idea what to do, or they just tear it up and they throw it away because there's no way they can ever possibly tackle it. They don't reach out to the hospital and the hospital ends up having to write it off as bad debt after they turned it over to collections and they've had to pay that third party vendor to take care of that. Um, Patients don't have the visibility into the transparency of healthcare today. And if they did, if the charts were shared with them, if they could see the ICD-10 codes that were used, it's it's almost like law for, for a lot of us where the, the laws and the statutes are written in such a way that the common um, person is not going to understand it. And healthcare in a lot of ways is written in that that particular way. Um, and so if I could, I would I would make sure that healthcare was transparent for everybody. And I feel like that's what we're really focusing on doing in the pre-access model for these health systems, for their patients. And the, the health systems we partner with want to make sure that their patients have that transparency of the financial experience. 
So we work in the policy world, and there was recently some new policy about hospital price sharing. Mm -hmm. But I think what you're talking about even is just layers deeper that consumers shouldn't rely on that alone, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it's hard enough to understand these high deductible health plans that so many of us are faced with. It's hard to understand even when it's an employer-sponsored health plan what it really means in terms of your care, uh, what the out of um, network providers look like, how it changes with um, the different payment models that you have to meet, the you know, all of it. it it's so difficult for the regular person to navigate, and then you start to add in the added a layer of complexity when you're dealing with a major health issue or your child's dealing with a health issue. You have so many other emotions and areas. And at the same time, you're trying to work full-time. You're trying to care for other children. You may be caring for elderly parents at the same time. You have your full lives, and then you're trying to navigate the system that you don't have an insight into. So, yeah, it's, it's very complex, and there's so many layers to it. I love that your solution focuses on educating consumers in healthcare really to their benefit for so many pieces of this puzzle we don't see. So I love that your piece of the health IT puzzle and the your your wish list for more transparency yeah. is kind of in line with the, the vision of Patient Matters as well. Yeah, thank you. It's, it's, we focus to, to empower the patient and when they go in for their surgery or their procedure, they don't have the added burden of not knowing how it's going to end up financially. Um, they feel empowered going in. Um, we even offer payment models um, where we finance for the patients and we provide, um, you know, all the way through personalized financial plans of, you know, do we need to do something similar to like a care credit? You know, how, how would you like to take on the burden of, of the care in terms of the financial side? I keep hearing commentary on the hospital transparency, the pricing, mm -hmm. and how even if every hospital in the country had all of their prices, it still wouldn't be accurate just because of, you know, the, the market rate sure. versus what payers are going to get and location and specialties and they're rural. Like, there's just so much that goes into it. So it just seems like even the, with an effort to be transparent, it's still muddy. It is. It's absolutely muddy. This is the only industry that you're going in for a service that you don't know what it's going to cost you. And you can go across the street and it's a different price. But you don't know. You you just don't know at all. And we were told we had the most innovative name. And it's not by an accident. Patient Matters has its name because we are advocates for the patients. And the price transparency is so important. People need to know, and they need to know what their options are in terms of paying for their services. I don't think there's a person in America that would go sit down in a hairdresser or a barber's chair without having some idea of what the cost is out the door, even for, say, a men's $10 haircut yes. at a small barber shop. Yes, right? exactly. <clears throat> exactly. But, you know, you have these emergency situations and all these things that crop up. And to Joy's point, it's just really money. So I, I applaud them for what you're doing. Thank you. We have last question. We are trying to put together a reading list for all of the ladies in and men in the Hit Like a Girl community. <laughs> I love it. So if you have any books that have 
been really impactful either for your career or personally? Yes, yes. I absolutely love um, Harvard Business Review's top 10 on communication. That's one that I read every single year. I'm currently reading um, Becoming Michelle Obama. I love that book. It's um, And what's so wonderful about that is it just her own journey and empowerment, but her sense of staying authentic to herself, even as she rises to the very top, she's still herself. And I think that's a beautiful story. You would probably laugh, but I have a book in every single room in my house and wherever I sit, I pick up that book. One of my favorites, All Marketers Are Liars um, by Seth Godin. He's an amazing writer. He talks a lot about stickiness of brand messages. And then The Alchemist. I read The Alchemist every single year as well. And it's always about finding that power within oneself. So I think, you know, the more that we can stay authentic, the more we can stay humble, the more we can help one another. And even as we rise to the top, we don't forget our roots and where we come from. I love that sentence. But I have to go back to all marketers are liars really quickly because we have a couple of minutes. You're in marketing I am. and you share this message. So what in that book resonates with you or maybe you've seen someone else do in your scope of work that kind of rings true or you think to yourself there, there's something in there that that I see happen all the time that I sure. maybe try and avoid that pitfall or maybe we're guilty of it in the past. Yeah, so his main message through that book is being authentic with your marketing message and not taking a message and adding color where color doesn't belong in order to make it more appealing to the mass market. It's about staying authentic with what your product is, the services that it provides, the audience in which it empowers, and moving away from the notion that marketing is seen as a glorified sales pitch, when in fact marketing's main goal is to educate the marketplace in my day-to-day world. I'm looking to educate the hospitals and the health systems on how they can improve their patient outcomes and experience. I'm not trying to pull the wool over their eyes. I'm trying to give them the tools that they need in order to continue the loyalty of their patients that they already have in place. Wonderful. Well, Crystal, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. Oh, thank you, Joy. Thank you, Robin, so much. This has been wonderful to sit down and speak with you both. And thank you for listening to the Hit Like a Girl podcast. If you want to know more about us or this guest, check out our website at hitlikeagirlpod.com. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, we'd appreciate a ratings on iTunes. Or simply tell a friend. You can also connect with us on Twitter or Instagram at the handle hitlikeagirlpod. Thanks again. See you soon.